You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.weareredwood.org. We pray that the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Romans chapter number 8. And we are continuing in our series that entitled Fighting for Purity in an Impure World. And uh, the way that we do that is uh, we make sure that we have a, uh, a vibrant, functioning uh, conscience. And uh, last week we began to speak about the idea of unchecked sin. And uh, when so when you and I have unchecked sin, it literally is a... It's, it's a cancer to your spiritual growth. But our consciences, they're, they're not self-sufficient. Okay? Our consciences, they require careful maintenance. They require uh, protection. And so a vital part of you keeping your conscience soft, which we talked about, uh, we've talked about sharpening it according to uh, the proper standard, which is uh, the Word of God. We've talked about how can you mature your conscience, the, uh, the idea between strong and weak. We spent a couple, kind of really like a week and a half kind of talking uh, about that and who's the, who's the strong conscience Christian and who is the weak conscience, conscience Christian and how you desire uh, that, that that needs to mature. And then last week we started to talk about how, how can we clear our conscience. And so, so a vital part of keeping it soft and strong and clear is dealing decisively and concisely with sin whenever it pops up. And so this morning when we're going we're gonna to continue to talk about the conscience, but we're going to uh, kind of shift a little bit here with the idea, and we'll spend uh, two weeks in this, taking sin seriously, taking it seriously. So tolerating or ignoring sin will only dull your conscience and it will ultimately begin to train you to ignore its warnings. And so what good would a full, functioning, state-of-the-art alarm system complete with amazing, highly sensitive detectors the finest technical support in 2020 that there could be, but you never paid attention to the alarm. What good would it be? So over the last several weeks, we've discussed how to keep your conscience in those different states, but if you do not pay attention to it, if you do not act on the information that it is providing to you, even the sharpest, maturest consciences are useless. So if your conscience is totally in line to the highest standard, which is the Word of God, and it's strengthened, it's it's matured, your faith is matured, and your conscience is fully working, but you don't listen to it, it's useless. We're just going through the motions. We're just doing the Christian life. We're We're just doing church, so to speak. And so... You have to, you have to, to so if, if you're, if you're going to hope of keep, if there's any hope of keeping your conscience truly clear, 
if you are not using it, it it's not going to it's not going to stay clear if you're not using that conscience to root out and to destroy sin when it alerts you. You and I, we cannot afford to take a lackadaisical approach to dealing with sin that a good, strong, healthy conscience begins to prompt you. We've got to deal with it. It can't just go on to some to-do list of, hey, I'll take care of it at some, at some time. No, no, no. When your conscience that is strong and that is sharp according to the Word of God. Remember, we're not talking about an over-hypersensitive conscience. We've kind of been dealing with that. We have definitely dealt with it on Wednesday night in our home group heavily. That's not what we're talking about. That, that, that type of conscience actually needs to be matured. Needs to, 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 to grow in what is, uh, what is biblical and what is okay. But when it is, when it is fully functioning, you and I, we have got to learn to listen to it. When it gives you an alarm, this is not good for you. You and I, we ought, we ought to listen to it. And so through Christ's sacrifice, we have been freed from the bondage of sin. But you and I, we're still going to be waging war against the flesh and that, 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 that old, the old habits, the old master that John Van Gelderen so often talks about, the, the old temptations and the tendencies that tend to remain in you and remain in me. And so Paul put it here in verse number 13 of Romans chapter number 8. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so you and I, we must be, we must be ruthless. We must be thorough and precise when it comes to dealing with indwelling sin. Paul tells us that you and I, we are to, we are to mortify our sin. So what does it mean to actually... To actually kill your sin. What is, you know, what, what does Paul say that that, that, that you're gonna have to, you're, you're gonna be mortifying, which is another word for to, to to kill, to kill your sin. I'd encourage you, if you'd like, maybe take out a phone or take out a pen, take out a paper, and I encourage you to write this down. Okay, if if you'd like, it's I, I won't. If, if you don't, it's fine. But what is it? What does it actually mean? Let me let me give you a simple definition. Of, of what this mortifying and what it means to actually be killing your sin. And I think we all can kind of gravitate to this definition. Mortifying your sin involves the cultivation of new habits of godliness. So mortifying your sin involves the cultivation of new habits of godliness. Combined, so new habits of godliness combined with the elimination of old sinful habits. From your behavior. So it's the, you're going to cultivate new habits and you're going to eliminate the old habits. You know in scripture, Paul talks about in many of his books to different churches, he talks about the concept of putting off and putting on, right? 
And I mean, you could, we could go to those lists this morning, but we're not going to take the time uh, to, 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 to do that. But, but the mortification of sin, killing sin, simplistically like this, is a um, cultivating new habits as you are eliminating the old sinful habits that you uh, had in your behavior prior to salvation or even prior to uh, maturing in the faith. Okay, and so there's this there's this exchange of taking off and putting on. It's a constant warfare that takes place within the believer. Although you and I should expect our triumph over sin to be ever increasing, right? Certainly, Scripture would teach that. Our mortification is never wholly complete. Right? We have that new spirit that we learned about in our revival, but you still have the flesh and you still have the, 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 that soul portion of you. And so there's going to be a continual mortification, a continual um, killing of this sin until we have our glorified bodies. And so you and I are to remain perpetually committed to this task. You and I, we do not, we do not graduate from this task ever. All right? It becomes at times easier to mortify your sin as you do it more and more and more it's kind of like anything else okay the more free throws you shoot the better free throw taker you are going to become and so you can you can kind of connect that also with this it can get easier but you never graduate from it you never you never stop taking free throws you never stop killing your sin because you will do that once you have your glorified body And so you and I, we must see sin as our sworn enemy for the rest of our lives that you and I are going to remain in a fight. That we're going to remain in a battle for the rest of your life. And so scripture offers several practical ways that believers can mortify their sin. And your growth and my growth in grace depends on our obedience to these duties that that the word of God teaches us with. Now listen, what I'm going to share over the next two weeks, none of them are just these simple fleshly mechanical formulas. None of them in of themselves are religious activities or rituals. Sin cannot be annihilated through legalism. You can't just rule your life up and so you'll stop sinning. Cannot happen. All right? Sin is not annihilated through going to a monastery. All right, going to Phariseeism, to celibacy, to self-punishment, to confessional booths, rosary beads, Hail Marys, or whatever else external measures that there are out there. That's not what I'm going to, in a sense, be teaching. The instrument of mortification is the Holy Spirit. He's the instrument. To kill something, often you think you know, you know think think of a knife, right? And you're gonna kill something. The instrument of mortification is the Holy Spirit, and His power is the energy that works in us to carry out the process. So the Holy Spirit is not only the instrument but he's also the energy within you, the person of, person of Christ, in his spirit in you, is what is going to give you the power and the energy 
to carry out the process. And so all the means of mortification are literally just simple commands of Scripture that you and I are to obey. So let's start with number one. If we, you and I are going to consistently be slaying sin. Again, we've, we've got a good strong conscience. It's been, it's been softened. Uh, to uh, you know, to, to to the things of God, it's been sharpened according to the edge of the Word of God, and so it's to the right standard, not to society standard, not to our friends standard, not to our parents standard. No, to the Word of God standard, and then it has been strengthened, and it's been matured, and to know where the lines are and how sometimes those lines might look differently in people's lives, and you and I have to be okay with that. And then we've cleared it. Well, how do you keep it clear? You're going to have to continue to dominate sin. You're going to have to continue to listen to your now fully functioning conscience. So number one, abstain from fleshly lusts. Turn to 1 Peter 2. Abstain from fleshly lusts. And we're going to have a little bit of fun with this one. But the fun might come in like five or six minutes from now, okay? But we will. Abstain from fleshly lusts. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beg with you, I plead with you. That's what that word beseech. As strangers and pilgrims. In other words, you and I, this, we're just a passing through, right? Heaven is our home. We're just a passing through. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. In other words, stop lusting. Now, oftentimes, you and I think of lust, we think of it in a sexual nature. Lust is, in and of itself, is just a strong desire. And so when we're dealing with sin things then you and I we've just got this strong desire we've got kind of this kind of this pull this this bent towards that and so what what Peter is saying here he's saying to abstain from it he's saying to stay away from it Paul tells us in in 1st Corinthians 6:18 to flee immorality to flee fornication to 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 flee these types of things and so could it be any more direct do you want to put to death the lusts in your heart? If your answer is yes, then Peter and Paul would say, then stop entertaining them. Stop entertaining them. Peter does not describe a prescribe, excuse me, a program. He doesn't say, hey, hey, here's some, here's some uh, program of therapy. He doesn't suggest that it should be treated as an addiction, and certainly there are addictions in our lives where these types of things can be treated. But at the core, what Peter is saying is, he's saying abstain. He's saying, Ryan, quit doing it. He's saying that there's no point waiting for some heavenly power to erase this sin automatically from your life. You are to stop it and to stop it immediately. So now here comes a little bit of humor. Nick, can you please play a video for us up on the screen?
washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Jenna Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, you are being buried alive in a box. Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> go. <laughs> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? No, no. But truly, thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what what you're saying is you're uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm. Uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. You're there. Stop it. <laughs> say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. It is. Then stop it. I, I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, childhood. No, no, no. We, 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 we don't go there. Just... Just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I, I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't I don't make change. Then I I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> Whew, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! <laughs> Not of some kind. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me. No, Fatty. no, no, no. No, we, we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say. We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it. What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is. I I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't don't uh, don't worry about that. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's what's the problem, Kathy? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here are the ten words. Stop it, or I'll bury you alive in a box. So stop it. Had a little fun with that, of course. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And but that's you know that 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 is what we're hearing here. You know to stop it to to what you're what you're trying to do is you're you're abstaining stopping from fleshly lusts. And perhaps this is the most straightforward and obvious means of mortifying sin. To stop doing it. And so too many people think that they must wait for some extraordinary experience to be able to slay this sin. A miracle from heaven, a sign from the Lord or whatever. But what they think divine intervention is necessary to flee is a wrong pattern of thinking. Because it's precisely the air that Romans 6 talks about. Romans 6, we're not going to take the time to read it, but if you read Romans 6 what you will find is is that the chains of all sins have been completely broken. You've been in the power of the Gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit in you and Christ and His sufficient death for you. The power of all of those sins literally have been broken from you. And there's the word picture that when you and I are sinning, what we're doing is is we are picking those shackles back up and we're putting them around us. Listen to me by choice. He say, well, that's kind of how I was raised. Now, we don't go there. Remember, that's what he said, right? But often we start making excuses for shackles that we've put back on that, 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 that you and I um, have as a believer, no longer have, have around us. Paul said, reckon yourself dead to sin and basically not to do it anymore. 
James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And it really is that simple. So you and I, we've got to begin to, we, we've got to begin to ponder this, that if I'm going to slay this sin properly, then you and I, we've got to, we've got to stop, we've got to stop wanting it. You've got to, you, you've got to allow those affections and those lusts, those simple desires within you to be renewed. Let this mind be in you, right? John preached on that in our revival. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so you and I, we've got to flee those fleshly and abstain from fleshly lusts. Number two, make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. For the flesh. Turn to Romans 13, please. Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. Verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, there's that, that, that concept of kind of taking off, putting on. It's honestly, it's a mindset of these things. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna remember my identity in Christ. I'm gonna put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what it says, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Now listen, the lust itself that is simply just a strong desire. It's when you give into that. You fulfill the lust of that flesh. You now begin to put yourself in settings where that desire that maybe hasn't been fully renewed yet then begins to become fulfilled and hence you then step down the, uh, the, the, the road of sin. And so what Paul is saying here is, is put, put, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that you're a child of the King. Remember that, 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 that the chains are off. Remember that you don't have to say yes to sin and that Jesus provided the way out for all of this and make not provision for the flesh. Here's what basically Paul's saying. Paul's saying, don't make it harder on yourself. You've been given the victory, but don't make it harder on yourself. Don't make a provision. Refuse to accommodate fleshly lusts. So listen, if you struggle with gluttony, do not load up on junk food when you shop at the market. Ryan, <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't want you to feel like I was preaching at you at that, okay? But is that not, does that not make sense? So man, if I struggle with, with then don't load up on that junk food in and of itself. Don't even go and say that that's wrong in and of itself, but too much of that, correct? So you got to be careful. So, don't make provision for that. If you're tempted with sexual desires that you cannot fulfill inside the boundaries of a marriage, but if you are constantly tempted with sexual desires, do not fill your mind with images that feed your lust. If you're struggling, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meddle here for the next minute. Are we okay? All right. If you're struggling with sexual impurity things, 
then be careful about what your eyes see. I would highly recommend, let me meddle for a minute. I would highly recommend not watching the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Did I just meddle enough for you? Listen, if you watch, I'm not standing up here judging you in and of itself. But listen, if we're struggling with sexual purity and what our minds are watching, then you and I, we're not going to feast on 50 shades of gray. I went pretty far, didn't I? We okay? Make no provision for the lust of of the flesh if you don't want to fall stay away from slippery surfaces <sighs> let's move on that I just straight up meddled in your last week okay if you watch it if you didn't it's great and if you did listen love you Holy Spirit um, can do what he'd like to do in your heart refuse to fill your mind with the means to entertain evil thoughts so here's what you and I need to do. I am actually not preaching against the halftime of Super Bowl. I am not preaching against Fifty Shades of Grey. Absolutely, I would. But the point is way bigger than that. That if you and I would connect something to that, rather than the concept of I'll set no wicked thing before mine eye, if we're connecting things to it, we're missing the point. Because guess what? Those things, they will always change. So nor, I gave you a tiny little list of halftime show and Fifty Shades of Grey, but the point is, is often you don't hear me preach those types of things in lists because the, 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 the actual standard of I'll set no wicked thing before mine eye is actually so much higher than me giving a list of what you should watch and what you should not watch. And so listen, make no provision for the flesh. Make no preparations for the possibility of sin. So thus you can slay sin before it breeds. You following me? You can slay it before it breeds. You and I, we can be in tune with our Holy Spirit and be in tune with our conscience, which is so connected to the Holy Spirit, and we can be like, hey, hey I'm not going to make provision for the flesh. Moving on! Whew. Number three. Number three. Since I stepped on every... I don't know how many toes I stepped on, but it's all good. Number three. That's why you guys pay me the big bucks, right? To step on the toes. Number three. Fix your heart on Christ. Fix your heart on Christ. 1 John 3, please. 1 John 3. I want you to know that I love you all. I love you enough to say those things. 1 John 3, verse number 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Man, that's an awesome statement right there. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him, this looking for him, this, this you, you, your heart is fixed on Jesus. You, you, you can't wait. 
purifieth himself even as he is pure. In other words, you and I, we are shaped, we become molded into the image of Christ and we know that he was pure. And so as we fix our hearts and our eyes and our minds on Christ, when we think about, when we think about him, we discover that our worship has the effect of conforming us to his image. The more that I think about him, the more that I saturate my mind with Jesus, the more that I saturate my mind with just the things of God, you know what I find happening in my life? Sinning less and less. Because I'm cognizant of, uh, of Him. And as I'm worshiping Him, I'm not wanting to partake in you know, sinful Sinful lifestyle. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so there is a process in your life where you're going to be changed from glory to glory. And we're, we're thankful for that. Let me give you, a, yeah, let me give you one more. We're going to have to end uh, with this one. Number four, we're talking about slaying this sin. So we're going to slay it. We're going to have to abstain from it. Just, man, stop it. That's a funny video. Just stop it. All right? We're going to have to make, don't, don't give avenues for you and I to sin. And then uh, you and I, let's fixate our hearts and our minds. Let's think about Christ. Let's, let's be worshiping him. Number four, meditate on God's word. Psalm 119, real quick. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 11. Yeah, verse number 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Verse number 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So you and I are meditating on the word of God. It's hidden. It's down deep. It's you and I thinking about it. Joshua said in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Do you want success in battling against sin? Then meditate on the word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 1, verse number 2, day and night does he meditate on the word of God. In Psalm 119, the psalmist David said that the word of God was like a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. And so as we, as the truths of the Word of God begin to penetrate our hearts, as they begin to penetrate our minds, remember how we're sharpening our conscience to the Word of God. But as we do this, it will confront and attack the sin in our life. It will just do that. Hebrews 4.12 talks about how it's sharp. It's a two-edged sword. It can divide to even the soul and the spirit. And it literally, it's a discerner of the heart. You and I, we don't always know the heart. Man, the Word of God does. Get in the Word of God. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Spend time on it. Guess what? It's going to confront the sin that you and I desire to slay. It's going to confront what you and I desire to mortify, what you and I desire to kill. Here's what Jesus prayed. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, in John 17, 17, he said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That was Jesus' high priestly prayer in there, you know, that, 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 that we would be sanctified through the Word of God. So the truth of God's Word is a medium, or it's the means 
by which the Holy Spirit uses to sanctify you. Remember who's the sanctifier, right? The sanctifier is the Holy Spirit, and his power is able to change you. But what he, one of the main tools he uses is the Word of God in your life and in my life. And so load your mind with it. Fill your heart with it. Ponder it carefully and let it direct your path. Paul said in Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. When you and I begin to meditate, when we begin to chew on the Word of God, when it's, when it's more than just a quick, quick read, you and I will find that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is so powerful in your life and in my life to defeat the enemy. And it's the most effective weapon at slicing away, which we're commanded to mortify, slicing away, killing the sin within us, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ephesians 6, 17 says. And so as we're really slaying this sin, we started with a little bit of fun, stop it, and then you allowed me to meddle, and that's okay. Um, and you, let's not make provision for the flesh. Let's saturate our minds on Christ, and the greatest way to do that is through the word. We'll have several more uh, next week. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you first loved us. We thank you for the privilege that we have to grow and to learn. And Lord, I pray that where the Holy Spirit of God may have pricked our hearts today, I pray that, Lord, we would not shy away from that. I pray that we would not be angered by that, but instead thank you for the grace that we can still feel you, that you're still working in our life, and that our consciences are are um, aligning with your words so that we could be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this time. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless this study. I pray that you'd, that you'd just dig it down deep within us. And uh, Lord, we'll give you the glory for what you will continue to do. I pray that you bless our 11 o'clock service, our time of, of just continued worship and singing and giving. And uh, Lord, may it truly be a reflection of our gratitude in our lives. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll take about a 10-minute break. You are dismissed.